Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel, C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also read my regular CBSSports.com um, column called Agents Take on NFL Contract and Salary Cap Matters. This week, we're going to take a look at the Julio Jones uh, situation in some detail uh, and his um, expected trade from the Atlanta Falcons. Um, we got some interesting uh, TV last Monday on Fox Sports One. Fox Sports One, when undisputed co-host Shannon Sharp had a phone call with Julio Jones, and on air, uh, Jones said, "I'm out of there." The consensus opinion is that Jones didn't know he was live on air at the time <laughs> um, when he said that, because the conversation was really casual. If he did know, maybe it was a deliberate strategy by his agent, longtime agent Jimmy Sexton, but. The consensus opinion is that he was kind of blindsided by that. It also came out after this uh, appearance that Jones had requested a trade um, back in March. So that would explain the I'm out of there comment. The Falcons uh, have been listening to trade offers, and maybe that's in response to uh, Julio requesting a trade. And that dates back to before the draft. One of the reasons that they'd want to get rid of Julio Jones is their cap problems. Um, According to NFL PA data, they have a little over $250,000 of cap room right now, haven't signed any of their draft picks and can't sign draft picks uh, because of that, because they don't have cap room. Um, To be exact, they have $285,693 of cap space. So the collective first year, or, or 2021 cat nurse for the draftees um, that they have will be $13,048,199. Now, because of the way the offseason accounting works, where the only top 51 cap numbers matter, or salaries, I should say, which are basically cap numbers matter in the offseason, then the net change, once they get all the draft picks signed, is going to be $6,224,912. So, Roughly, they're going to be, not roughly, they're going to be about $6.5 million over the cap once they sign their draft picks. So that's why they'd want to trade Julio Jones, because um, they've restructured practically every contract under the sun to create cap room, because they had one of the worst um, cap situations going into the offseason. Two they haven't touched, Julio Jones's and Grady Jarrett's. Those are two big ones they haven't touched. Now, any trade for Julio Jones isn't going to take place before June 2nd, which is Wednesday. And that's because of the way the salary cap rules work. That if you release or trade a guy prior to June 2nd, then all the bonus proration in future years accelerates onto the current salary cap. So they want to avoid that um, in this case because Julio has the biggest um, wide receiver cap number right now at 23 0.05 million. Um, his deal contained. He signed a three-year, sixty-six million dollar extension in 2019 when he had two years left on his existing contract to put him under contract for five total years for 87.026 million. But three-year extension, 66 million. That's the new money 
in the deal. $25 million signing bonus, also an $11 million option bonus. The signing bonus is prorated $5 million for each of the five years. The option bonus is prorated $2.75 million per year, 20 through 2023. So if you did a trade before June 2nd, then you're going to have $23.25 million as a cap charge or dead money, which is a salary cap charge for someone who is no longer on the roster. So it doesn't benefit the Falcons to do any trade before June 2nd, which is just a couple of days away anyway. Now, you trade them after June 2nd. This also applies to guys who are released. That the Falcons are going to pick up $15.3 million of cap room, which is his fully guaranteed salary this year. That's because the bonus proration, you got $15.5 million of bonus proration from 22 and 23. That'd be a 22-2022 cap charge. The $7.75 million of bonus proration associated to 2021 would be the only cap charge. Julio has three years left on the contract for $28.326 million, making $15.3 million this year, $11.513 million next year, $2 million of that. That is, 20, is fully guaranteed in 2022, $11.513 million in 2023. He has, Julio has one of the most front-loaded contracts I have ever seen um, in terms of an extension. So, if the Falcons do end up pulling the trigger on a trade, they basically paid him $27.674 million more than they did, than they would have if they had done nothing. And they would have gotten no new years off of the contract. So, <laughs> the Falcons aren't in a fire sale mode. Even though Jones is 32, coming off of one of his worst statistical seasons of his career, had he had played nine games, he had lingering hamstring problems, limited him to nine games. In those nine games, 51 catches for 771 yards and three touchdowns. His six-year streak of 1,000 receiving yard seasons ended. Still ranked seventh in the NFL with 85.7 receiving yards per game, which was also the worst mark of his career since 2012. Now, look at Julio's production at the halfway mark of the year. He played six games. And in those six games, he was averaging 97.3 yards, receiving yards per game. So through the first eight games of the season, he only played three in the second half of the season. That's that's better than his career, averaging 95.5 receiving yards per game which is the best in NFL history. Second is Megatron, Calvin Johnson, 86.1. So his 85.7 over the full season is top five of all time as an average for a career average. So 97.3 was third. You had Devontae Adams, who'd also missed two games, 112.5 at that point, and DK Metcalf at 98.6. So it's not like this guy... It's just falling off of a cliff. Yeah, he's got the. He's not a guy that's going to practice all the time, um, so that's going to be a concern. He had the foot problem, which uh, has been an issue. Supposedly, has been something's had to work around. But this guy's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I know he's 32, but the Falcons want a first round pick for him. So some of these things are teams are looking at it. Well, I want to get a first round pick, age, history, but. You're not talking about a guy who has taken a precipitous decline. Um, supposedly, according to Pro Football Talk, the Falcons could have gotten a second-round pick. I'm assuming that would have been a 22-second-round pick. 
prior to the draft in a trade which wouldn't have been finalized until post-June 1 because of the salary cap treatment. Part of the reason why the Falcons wouldn't want to take a second-round pick, a couple of years ago, middle 2019 season, they traded the number two receiver to the uh, Patriots. Mohamed Sanu got a second-round pick. That would be more of an Arthur Blank problem than a Terry Fontenot, Arthur Smith problem because they're in their first year, which is hired. And they gave up a second and a fifth to get Hayden Hurst after um, Hunter Henry left to go be the Browns tight end. So <laughs> that may be one of the reasons why they're thinking they need a first uh, for Julio as well. But that draft choice compensation is going to be one of the uh, trickier matters in this deal. So, if you're talking about 32- to 34-year-old receivers, then what could you expect? That may be one thing you got to look at. One, if you're going to bring Julio Jones in, you're probably not bringing him in to be, you know, oh, he's just definitely going to be a two because he still has the ability, I think, for now, to be a number one receiver. Out of an info history from ages 32, 33, and 34, those are years he's still under contract. You've had 74 instances of players getting 1,000 yards, 72 by receivers. And you've had instances of, I think it was 49 times that people have gotten over 80 catches in those ages. Now, Julio was probably going to go to Hall of Fame, first ballot. So you still think his decline isn't going to be overnight. Now, from ages 32 to 34, to have 1,000-yard seasons in each year, you're 32 to 34. That don't happen too often. It's happened six times. Marvin Harrison did it. Jerry Rice did it. Chris Carter did it. Charlie Joyner did it. Uh, Larry uh, Larry Fitzgerald did it. Tim Brown did it. And, surprisingly, Donald Driver did it. So that's a thousand yards in three straight years. So it would not. I would still think Julio has that ability. Now, crazy thing is, in 1995, a 33-year-old Jerry Rice set an NFL record at the time with 1,848 receiving yards. That's just insane. Now, if you're talking about um, guys who had 80 catches for Three straight, three straight seasons, ages 32 to 34. There are only three of those guys. Larry Fitzgerald, Jerry Rice, Martin Harrison. So, um, see if he could uh, be in that category. What's up? It's Mike Jones from the Football Jones Podcast. I know you're enjoying your time with Inside the Cap, but once you're done, I want to invite you to come over and check out my podcast. Each week, we take a deep dive into some of the most pressing topics around the NFL. High-profile guests from the coach, player, and front office ranks, as well as the top league insiders. Check out the Football Jones Podcast, another fine product brought to you by Empire Media. In terms of the whole compensation, which is the first piece of the puzzle, and then there are other, other parts which make this not the easiest uh, potential trade. If I'm Atlanta, if I'm not happy with the compensation... I'm going to hold on to him for a while. I might hold on to him hoping there's an injury and then trade him, training camp, preseason. Then Julio's got to decide, do I want to report? 
and get fun or, or not and miss camp, get a fifty thousand dollar per day fine that's not that's mandatory <laughs> if he uh if he gets to that. Or I'm gonna play him into the season, see how it goes. <laughs> and if we're not doing well, hopefully he's the Julio that he's been pretty much in the past, then trade him then. That might be when you'd get your best value. Or you got to be creative on the uh, draft choice compensation. Maybe it's a conditional second. Because I wouldn't just do it for a second if I'm the Falcons. That's just me. Uh, it may end up being that. Maybe it's uh, a second and a conditional fifth. Maybe it's a con- conditional second and a day three pick. Where the second round pick can become a first based on what Julio does in 2021. Now, uh, what would be a fair threshold? have the pick escalate. One, I'd say if he gets the Pro Bowl. Two, you could look at the uh, production of what Pro Bowl receivers have has been over the past three years. This the guys on the original ballot who were originally selected to the Pro Bowl, not the guys who play as replacement players when there is a Pro Bowl game. And if you look at the production in each year of the Pro Bowl guys and then average it, it's 100 catches in just under 1,325 receiving yards. Now, Julio has escalators in his contract, um, $3 million in 2022 and 2023, and the individual season escalators, his thresholds are 100 catches for 1,400 receiving yards. Now, for ages, we've already seen for ages 32 through 34 that the production isn't all that great. Now, let's say it's 1,200 yards. For 1,200 yards... You've got um, 13 guys who've done that at age 32. <laughs> You've got 13 who've done it for age 32. <laughs> so it, it drops tremendously. And you've got 24 over time who've done it 1,200 yards um, from ages 32 through, 30, through 34. So maybe that's a threshold because that's, that's a pretty high threshold to reach. Or maybe you make it... Um, 1,275 yards since we now have a 17th game. Then you got um, 80 catches as, as well. Maybe that goes to uh, 85 catches. Now, there's one. There's only one guy for all three years who's had 1,200 receiving yards or more. That's Jerry Rice and 80 catches in all three years. So um, maybe that would be the appropriate threshold. Now, we got to find suitors for um, Julio Jones. Well, if you look at the teams who have the most cap room, some of these teams don't necessarily match up with who would have the uh, greatest need um, for a wide receiver. So that's not it's going to be kind of a not the easiest thing to find the perfect suitor for Julio Jones. Now, if you look at just straight cap room, Jaguars have the most cap room in the NFL. Um, according to NFL PA data, they got just a little over $38.65 million, but that's the first pick for a reason. They're not good. And Julio said he wants to play for a winner. The New York Jets have the second most cap room. They've got a $27.4 million. That second pick for a reason. Not good. Cincinnati Bengals, another team, isn't very good. Um, they have $22.154 million in cap room. Then you got the Cleveland Browns. They've got um, $20.4 million in cap space right now. And for some of these teams, they still have signed draft picks. So it's there, but not there. They've got Odell Beckham Jr., 
and they've got uh, Jarvis Landry as receiver. The, the Los Angeles Chargers, just a shade under 19.4 cap room. Um, Mike Williams on the fifth-year option. Keenan Allen over $20 million per year. Uh, got that stud young quarterback, the uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year from last year, Justin Herbert. Broncos, same boat as them, just about 19-4 cap room. Carolina Panthers, about 18-2. 49ers, just under 17-7. Detroit Lions, basically 17.4. And the Washington football team, just under 17.2. Those are teams that have cap space, but some of those aren't going to be suitors. Now, Vegas has been taking odds on where Julio's going to play next. No, I shouldn't say necessarily Vegas because you got uh, sports betting no longer just restricted to Vegas. Um, but sports line this is, had odds as of Friday. The Patriots plus 200. These are the best odds. 49ers plus 300. Titans plus 400. Raiders plus 600. Ravens plus 700. Um, and you had the Chargers plus 900. Now, uh, DraftKings had their odds at Patriots at plus 450, Titans plus 500, Rams plus 500, Falcons to stay put plus 600, Chargers plus 900. So some of the teams that have the best odds don't have cap space either. So <laughs> it's kind of something's got to something's got to give. Then we had some reports which uh, came out today. Titans are now uh, according to some NFL insiders or teams that the Titans are the expected landing spot if he's traded. And then we had um, a report from ESPN, Diana Rossini, who had a report earlier, last late last week, that there's a first-round pick on the table for Julio Jones. And now the Seahawks are supposedly going to make a play for Julio that – Russell Wilson and Julio have been talking about wanting to play together. Now, I find I'm a little skeptical on this one, um, just from the standpoint. They just paid Tyler Lockett, gave him a four-year extension, averaging $17.3 million per year. They have DK Metcalf on the other side. Maybe this that Seattle's talked to the Falcons. Maybe that was just an obligatory, obligatory phone call to placate Russell Wilson, just because of that particular situation. Though he was unhappy, so if we – do our due diligence, it's going to be, and we don't get him, then maybe that's enough to keep Russell happy. Problem is Seattle has $6.9 million of cap room. So they can't right now absorb a $15.3 million salary of Julio Jones because when you make a trade for someone, you have to have enough cap room to um, take on their salary. That's why it's important to look at the cap room of the teams because I don't know how you, you're going to have to either – Restructure contracts, or the Falcons are going to have to eat salary on the way out the door, which they're probably not going to want to do because they don't have cap room to begin with. They can't really take back players because they don't have cap room, so they won't be a vet for big number, big cap number and salary. It'd have to be, if they're going to take back any players, got to be a guy on a rookie contract. He's got a couple, presumably a couple years left because he's got a low salary in the deal, particularly if he's a day three pick. So that's another another thing that's problematic with the whole Russell Wilson trade. I mean, whole um, Julio Jones trade. Hey there, it's John Kime of the John Kime Report podcast. I'm glad you're enjoying the Inside the Cap podcast with Joel Corey. When you're done, I invite you to listen to my podcast. Twice a week, my guests and I discuss the Washington football team and the NFL. 
The show features numerous NFL insiders, former and current players and executives, and taps into the insight gained in my 25-plus years covering this franchise. Check out the John Kahn Report, another fine product offered by Empire Media. Now, the only team which is among the clubs that have the most cap space and also the best odds for Julio Jones is the Chargers. Even even though they have a couple of draft picks to sign, they're still going to be okay. The Niners are on both, but their cap space isn't quite what you think it is. They still haven't signed Trey Lance, um, third overall pick. So once they sign their draft picks out of the top 51, works they have like 12.26 million of cap space, so they're not quite there. Then if you look at some of the teams with the best odds in terms of cap space, um, on the surface, New England, 14.78 million, almost enough for Julio's salary. But Sam signed some draft picks like Mac Jones. Once you sign the draft picks, they're at twelve point like three four, just under that. Titans um, still have a couple of draft have some draft picks to sign. Um, three point nine a cap space. Once the draft factoring the draft picks, three point five five million. Rams, um, another team. Some draft picks still out, out outstanding. Um, about six point eight five million in cap space. It drops to six point six three three. Uh the Raiders, uh, they've signed their first round pick, Alex Leatherwood, last week still. A couple other draft picks to go. And after signing Leatherwood, they have about four point oh seven five million dollars of cap space. That's gonna be a little over three point three seven five if you factor in what's gonna be needed for the draft draft picks. The Ravens have about a little under nine point four million dollars cap space. Once you get the draft picks, all of them, all of them signed, um, which would matter in the top fifty-one, it's going to be about eight point one five million um, a cap space they would have. So that means one or two things has to happen: that Falcons have to eat some salary on the way out in a pre in a where you convert signing bonus salary into signing bonus, like um, the Panthers did with Teddy Bridgewater when they traded him to Denver. Um, they ate, I think it was $7 million on a pre-trade salary conversion. Or the other team's going to have to restructure some contracts. Uh, third way, which I think is improbable, is Julio Jones deciding, I'm going to play for less money <laughs> and take a pay cut. Because this is a guy who, in 2018, was unhappy with his contract when the market hadn't materially moved, had three years left, wanted a new deal. They shifted money from back end and, and later years into the current year, gave him a small bump to placate him. They need to deal with two years left. Could be wrong, but Julio doesn't strike me as a, I'm going to take a pay cut to leave. Maybe if you want to get out of town at all costs, you would. But I think it's more likely Julio's ha- may have amnesia on how the contract is structured. I had clients who were like that when I was an agent would forget that huge signing bonus that was front-loaded. His is extremely front-loaded and only focus on what's left at hand in the contract and then compare that to deals which are done later. And I was like, yeah, I can't necessarily do that if you're going to be a little disingenuous if you do that. So Julio may be looking at it, hey, I'm making less than $13 million per year over the last three years. If anything, I need a raise. But um, he doesn't have no trade clause, so he can't stop where he goes. Where So, well, there's a way he could stop it because it's been done. I'm not going to put any names to it, but trades can be stopped with a high-profile player. If he, if the agent puts it out 
he don't want to be there, he's not going to report, or he may retire, then the trading team probably think twice about putting him in a place that he doesn't want to go. Now, there is something else that could be done um, as well, in, in addition, which could uh, help. And, was, and it's a concept which was in Kiko Alonso's contract when he was traded from um, Miami to the Saints. The roster cut down in 2019. That before he was traded, um, there's some other things going on with him. That there was uh, the Dolphins ate a small point of salary, about a million. He took a small pay cut, but they moved money from 2019 into a 2020 roster bonus. So it would lower the uh, cap hit for um, the uh, Saints when they were acquiring him. You still got the money because it was put into a fully guaranteed roster bonus, March roster bonus. So he was still getting the money. It was just delayed. So you you could Julio could do that. So we'll stay with the Patriots since they are still a preferred landing spot, at least by the odds that. Let's say you took um, $5.3 million of his $15.3 million base salary, shifted it into a first day of the 2020 league year roster bonus. Um, there'd be guaranteed like five days, fully guaranteed five days after the trade. You could have, couldn't be fully guaranteed with the trade. Otherwise, it gets prorated, um, and that proration would stay with Atlanta. So you have to have the three types of guarantees to be fully guaranteed in NFL contract, skill injury and salary cap guarantees. So if you had two of the three immediately and then uh, the third guarantee kicking in five days later, then that's a Patriots cap charge. So it would also mean that his salary in 2022 would go from $11.513 million to $16.83 million. So um, that's what would happen, but it lowers the cap hit for the team needing to, if they have a tight cap situation, not enough cap room. Another thing you'd have to do is with the 17th game, players had contracts who predated the CBA, and they don't make a material change, where if you just do a simple contract restructure and you're still on the roster or injured reserve as of the 17th game, you get an extra game check, which would be the prorated amount of your base salary. So since this would be a material change, You'd have to account for the fact in his contracts there'd be a $900,000 17th game roster bonus payment for being on the nine-man roster for the 17th game. And then $677,235 in 22 and 2023 um, as well. Otherwise, he's going to be in a worse position than if he doesn't touch the contract. So he shouldn't be penalized for that. Carson Wentz shifted some money from 2021 into a roster bonus in 2022. So they had to do the same thing where they had to give him 117th of his, what was his base salary in a, in a game check to, uh, in, a, in a roster bonus to keep him in the same position as he is. Now, I'm going to go back to what you'd have to do for a couple of these teams. Now, the Titans, since they're a team which um, is now rumored to be a favorite. If the Falcons aren't going to eat any money or don't want to eat any money, <laughs> then your best source to get cap room is Ryan Tannehill. He's got a $24.5 million base salary. He's under contract through 2023. Two ways you could do that. 
you could just uh, cut his base salary down to, uh, let's say, 1.5, uh, add two voidable dummy years, 2024 and 2025, like people are doing this year because the cap dropping from 182.5 to from to 182.5 to 198.2. Then you got 23 you can convert into signing bonus, stretch it out over five years. You can pick up $18.4 million of cap room this space. This way, you got enough for Julio. Or if you don't want to do the dummy years, you take his base down to $1.25 million. You got $23.25 million to play with. You can pick up uh, $15.5 million of cap room doing that. Thing is, he's already got a $34 million cap hit in 2022, 32, and 2023. You raise his cap numbers to 41.75 and 39.75. So that's, that's one way you could do it. Like the Niners... For Julio to get the extra cap room, if you wanted to do, and you didn't want to do the uh, part where you shift money to a roster bonus, then Jimmy Garoppolo, do you want to touch that or leave it alone? Um, he's got the $21.4 million base salary. Do you make a small conversion? So you're not going to pick up as much cap space next year? Uh, the Rams have basically restructured practically everybody. One thing they didn't do when they got Matthew Stafford is they let, it, let his $10 million roster bonus hit on the fifth day. So he's looking only has a $9.5 million base salary. So if you did the dummy years thing with him, take his base salary down to a uh, league minimum, $1.075 million, you're going to pick up $6.74 million of cap room. Still doesn't get you all the way there. Now, there's another way you could do it um, creatively in terms of lowering what you need to take on for cap space and salary in 2021. Which would be adding a option bonus after 2021, which would have to be exercised in the first three days of 2022. Add two voiding dummy years in 2024 and 2025. That's what the option would be to exercise. And the Eagles have done this before with contracts and a restructure added to voiding dummy years. Since the option takes place in 2022, should be. No cap consequences to the Falcons. Should be to the acquiring team. So one way you could do this, what I'm proposing, is Julio makes 5.3 in 2021. Has a $10 million option. And ensure it's exercised, you raise his base salary to $21.513 million. And there are no offsets with the $10 million. Just fully guarantee it to 21.53 with no offset. And then um, he's already got $2 million as a guarantee in 2022. Then the $2 million has an offset if you exercise it. The salary reduces back to $11.53 million. That would ensure they're going to exercise it. That way, the cap hit you need to acquire him is $5.3 million this year. Atlanta's not eating salary. And... It means this cap hit instead in 2022 isn't going to be 11.513. It's going to be 14.013 and also in 2023 as well. And 2024 and 2025 void last day of the 2023 league year. So in 2024, you have a $5 million dead money charge. And getting back to the first way you do of just the roster bonus in 2022, that would be no offset with the roster bonus. Just, just in case something went wrong, that may be... Or it could be a combination where the um, Falcons eat a small portion of salary, not much, 
And it's one of these two ways with the shifting money in the roster bonus, the Kiko Alonso way, or either the option bonus concept. That may have may be how you have to get creative. Now, another thing you could do creatively when we get back to the trade compensation is something I'd like to see, a two-way conditional if you couldn't agree on hard compensation at the beginning. The, let's say, hypothetically, the trade compensation is a second and a fifth. You got the uh, escalator to a first if it's a Pro Bowl. If he goes to the Pro Bowl or, let's say, 85 catches or 1,200 yards, it becomes a first-round pick. And let's say he didn't do what he did last year. He can't reach those statistics. Then maybe the uh, fifth-round pick goes away. It's voided out because he can't do 51 catches or 771 yards. Now, one thing with the trade compensation is the 49ers, if the – Falcons are insisting on a first-round pick. 49ers don't have a first-round pick in 2022 or 2023. Rams never have first-round picks, none in 2022 or 2023. Seahawks don't have a first-round pick in 2022 either because of Jamal Adams' trade. So there are a lot of moving parts to this thing. So if I can't get what I want, I'm holding on to him. And then what are the Falcons going to do for cap space? Well, you don't really want to touch Julio's contract if you're going to ultimately trade him. That means you got to go to Grady Jarrett. And Grady Jarrett has, among defensive tackles, the second largest 2021 cap number at $20,833,333. Signed a four-year, $68 million contract as a franchise player in 2019. He has two years left on his contract. So... Let's say you chop his base salary down to a million, then you convert 12.5 million of the 13.5 million base salary into signing bonus. You add three dummy voiding years, 2023 through 2025. You're going to get 10 million dollars of cap space there. That's going to cover the 6.5 you need for the draft picks, of where you'll be once you have the draft picks in the top 51. Obviously, once September 9 comes around, first day of the league, you and everything counts. You still probably not. You still may not be there in terms of being under the cap. But that would just take you for now. Now the other thing is just doing extension with them. Um, with two years left. He was already at 17 as a franchise player. Markets moved. He's a Pro Bowler who can get to the quarterback, stuffs the run, has pass rushing ability. You're probably not getting him for for less than Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams franchises defensive tackle in 2000. 19 got franchised a second time, even though he filed a grievance to be defensive end, which he ended up dropping after he got the um, new contract from the Giants, which was 63 million over three years, averages 21 million a year, 45 million fully guaranteed, and this was in March. So you you're not signing Grady Jarrett for less than 20 million per year in new money on the extension. So he just has two years left. Let's say you do a three-year extension. Give him a twenty million dollars signing bonus. Drop the base salary down to a million. You're going to pick up eight five a cap room immediately. You're still covered. It will be interesting to see how quickly Julio Jones gets traded because I'm assuming he's not going to be a Falcon. Um, does this thing drag on into training camp? If he's not traded next week, I suspect Julio's not showing up for the mini camp. <laughs> It'll take the ninety three thousand dollar fine for the three days. Maybe they won't even well. It's it's not mandatory. It's at the team's election. Maybe they, they shouldn't find him if they're going to trade him. Um, but sometimes teams do. But those are kind of the uh, 
major points with any Julio Jones trade and some of the problems and pitfalls that could uh, come up. But one, in some, one, trade compensation may be tough to agree upon. Falcons are probably thinking, this is Julio Jones that can still play at an extremely high level. Um, they don't want to be in a Randy Moss situation when he left Oakland, went for a fourth after two down years and his effort was questioned, and then plays like the old Randy Moss um, in Minnesota. Um, so trade compensation, some of the teams that have first-round picks wanting to get more than a, a second, that's one issue. Cap space is another issue. The teams don't necessarily have the cap space to absorb the $15.3 million salary. Falcons probably don't want to eat money on the way out the door, so you have to be creative in terms of the contract. If that's a deal breaker for the Falcons, then you got to do the Kiko Alonso thing with the trade, which is move money into a roster bonus so that the 2021 salary is lower for the team, uh, the acquiring team or that option bonus concept, or it could be even lower. But there's a trade-off to that, that the cap number in at least 2022, depending upon which way you go, and if you go the option bonus, would be higher than just the $11.5.3 million salary that he has left on the deal. So that's going to be it for this week. Probably more than you ever want to know about Julio Jones. Um, but want to do a deep dive into it. Uh, thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That is C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also read my CBSSports.com column, Agents Take. And we'll see you back here next time. Goodbye.